shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip. Two sides of a coin. Tarek, heads or tails? Oh, man. Uh, I'll go tails, but I also feel like you're leaving Trey out of these coin tosses, man. I've gotten to call them the last few times. so It's always you, man. It's always you. It's always me. I am the one, tails. I literally thought, man, I've been... <laughs> I've been giving it to Trey too much. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you went with tails, I'm assuming. I'm flipping the coin here. And it's heads. Give me the ball. It's heads. Trey, you get the ball. All right. Startup season is back, baby. And you're on the clock. Say pick nine. And you are between Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Jamar Chase. And so the quarterbacks are combined. I'm looking for a tier. So that's Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. Or Jamar Chase. All right. Well, all else equal, uh, give me Justin Fields. Uh, I will say that it's important to realize that this uh, depends on your league scoring settings, right? Because there's certain scoring settings where, uh, you know, passing touchdowns may be worth more, quarterback scoring may be worth more than receiver scoring. So, you know, without that context of knowing exactly the league settings, uh, yeah, I like Justin Fields. I think there's the highest upside there. I think people are probably overestimating the downside risk of him losing his job. Uh, we've already seen him outscore Trevor Lawrence once. I think the market is kind of betting that he's going to do it again. And yeah, if you're trying to win your league, uh, you can't go wrong with the young uh, Fields, even though you would be passing on Chase to get it done. All right, Tarek. Yeah, so I uh, am going to go Lawrence here. I think that uh, my top seven picks in a Superflex startup league are all quarterbacks, um, and Trevor Lawrence is the seventh of that group. So if I'm getting him at 109, I think that represents a value. Trey mentioned there's people overestimating the downside of Fields losing his job if he can't figure out the passing part of the game. I am unfortunately one of those people that is perhaps overestimating that downside. Uh, I think Trevor Lawrence showed that he is uh, a franchise quarterback last year. And I think there's some outstanding questions with Justin Fields. And while I know uh, fantasy football rewards quarterbacks who rush and Justin Fields does that amongst the best of them. Um, I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence with a, a little bit of uh, safety in the floor there because I'm a coward. You like that safety. You like that cowardice. But Trevor yeah, Lawrence, I'm channeling John here. Trevor Lawrence has it in his bag to run. So maybe he pulls it out one of these days. But guys, I actually I like Jamar Chase here. And wow. I showed that in our most recent startup. I took Jamar Chase. I think the other two were. No, Fields was on the board. But I want to. I want to point out something. Um, I've offered Justin Fields straight up for Jamar Chase in several leagues, and that's gotten declined uh, more than once. So I do think it's interesting that um, you guys are Fields over Chase here. But um, yeah, I, I'm just trying to draw the line. I'm actually the... Chase and J. Jeff over Fields. Um, so uh, there is a little bit of a difference there. I'm Trevor Lawrence over those receivers, but I do want Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson over Fields because, like I said, I am a coward uh, about <laughs> Fields potentially losing his job. Yeah, but Mitch, why? Why Why uh, Chase over the QBs? Because I love having that elite asset, those one, two guys, either Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase. I think those guys are 
the elite wide receivers and you know it's just a it's a great way to start and you know i don't think that at this range once the top five six quarterbacks are gone that um it's as important to snag the quarterback i uh i think at this point i'm i'm trying to take the the bpa and that's i, I just got chased there all right. There you go. I, I mean, there's something to be said with positional value. And again, with our scoring settings in this league with six point passing touchdowns, I think you may want to like double check the math there. But, uh, you know, you can't go wrong getting uh, J. Jeff or chasing your team. Yeah. Yeah. In in this startup that we're doing right now, and, and we'll probably talk a little bit more about it in the intro, but in the startup we're doing right now, it's our fourth TLG league. Shout out to TLG forever. Um, I did trade up along with my co-manager from the 109 to the 105 with Mitch in order to secure Justin Herbert, and then Mitch took Jamar Chase. So I can see where this question is coming from. It's a good question. I think in my experience, it's been really hard to trade away the Justin Jeffersons for an elite quarterback, which is why I did that. Um, but yeah, I mean... Trey, I'm actually going to ask you this because, you know, I know this is going to be a long coin toss, but it's an interesting question because when this went down, you questioned, is Justin Herbert truly an elite quarterback? So I'm I'm wondering if you have, you know, a little a little spiel you could give us there (laughs) as to why Justin Herbert might not be. The old three-sided this coin. This is kind of like a second coin. Yeah, the old the old double coin toss. Uh, all yeah. Right, so is, is there's so many sides? Is Herbert elite? Yes or no? Uh, heads or tails? Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, we all thought he was elite uh, a year ago today, right? He was mm-hmm. going like third overall in startups, and uh, my argument went essentially is that um, I wouldn't put him necessarily right there with Allen and Mahomes, and even necessarily like uh, Jalen Hurts, yeah. you know, right now. Because of what we saw last year, I think we like can't ignore the fact that on a points per game basis, he was outside the top 12 in year three. And, and yes, he was amazing as a rookie and as a second year player. I think he will bounce back, um, especially with the change in the offensive coordinator. But I mean, I don't know. Words matter, right? So saying he's elite, like that implies to me same level as Allen and Mahomes and Hurts. And I would rather have those three over Herbie, given the choice. Gotcha. All right. Well, uh, a robust coin toss uh, for the one time. Uh, shout out to the listeners. Y'all, y'all got a good one there. What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into episode 86 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty Fantasy Football. I am your host with sometimes the most, uh, Tarek Angry Tiban Shwia. With me today, Trey Cryan, Mitch Yates, the homeboys, absolutely in the throes of rookie draft and startup season. Just five, six, seven drafts going on at the same time. Mitch, how are you, man? I'm great, man. I'm I'm more interested in uh, what you have the most of. Man, you know, uh, there. T- shout out to Thomas Tipple who uh, hosts the um, the Always Tilting or the Full Tilt Dynasty podcast with our guy Jacob Sanderson, uh, who is in that startup that we're doing right now. Uh, Thomas always starts his podcast with uh, the host with the most time on his hands, uh, and I think that's such a great intro. 
And I was trying to come up with like a, a rip off of that and just fell completely fat, flat, you know? So I am the host with sometimes the second or third most of, of what it is. We do not know. Yeah. Riz, as the kids are saying. Uh, yeah, certainly not the man with the most time on his hands. That's for sure. No, definitely not. <laughs> I know that I'm the man with the most startup drafts going on and rookie drafts going on and dude i haven't looked away from my phone in like 24 hours i need to i need to put this thing somewhere else because there's so much going on and it's so much fun oh man yeah trey my my phone is like at eight percent and it's it's like barely even five o'clock so I love it. yeah I love it. this is three dudes right here who all seriously need to go outside and touch grass uh, <laughs> <laughs> Instead, we're in closets recording podcasts. Uh, yeah, I'm. I think I'm currently in uh, three rookie drafts and one startup at the moment. So it feels like you know three too many to me. So and I and I think you guys both have me beat there. Uh, it's we are in the thick of it, boys. And uh, yeah, I'm. You know, spent the weekend uh, working on the house uh, in the in the backyard. So definitely happy to be uh, with y'all uh, talking dynasty instead of doing that these days that's fair yeah I, i'm i'm going out tonight so there you uh, go me me and my partner we got uh some tickets to a show so i'm gonna take a break i'm gonna i'm gonna touch grass as it were <laughs> metaphorically uh, but of course you know before i do that we do have a show today uh last week in episode 85 we talked about uh the landing spots for the quarterbacks and the running backs and this week we got to get into the pass catchers, uh, of which there are very many, um, a, you know, not a super top heavy wide receiver class, but a pretty deep one. And then uh, one of the best tight end classes we've seen in a long time uh, with, you know, a first round tight end and a bunch of tight ends on day two. So we've got a lot, of, lot to talk about today. Um, same caveats that I said last week apply in terms of, you know, we've already kind of gotten into a lot of these guys' prospect profiles, so we're mostly going to be reacting to their landing spots. But unlike last week, I, I feel like we have a pretty good sense of what ADP is now. Um, last week, we basically only had 24 hours worth of ADP. Now we got a full week. A lot of people do their drafts uh, in the week after the draft. So, you know, when we reference ADP, we'll kind of be juggling between keep trade cut on the one hand, but even more important, uh, shout out to the Bulletproof guys, Adeko over there. He creates uh, a really robust ADP uh, based on paid sleeper leagues. So he scrapes that data. It's at bulletproofff.com. Go check it out. Um, so when we reference ADP, we're largely going to be talking about Adeko's data there. But without further ado, uh, you know, Tarek, Angry T, the host with the most preambles. Uh, let's kick off this first half. Uh, where we'll talk about the wide receivers and the first wide receiver off the board. Uh, he was, you know, the favorite to go off the board first going into the draft. He was uh, we were looking forward to him for a really long time, given that elite sophomore year out of Ohio State. It was Jackson Smith and Jigba went to the Seattle Seahawks at 20th overall. Trey Jackson Smith and Jigba. What's your reaction here? So this one, uh, there's. Nothing really changes here with JSN. You know, he was our rookie wide receiver one uh, pretty much across the board going into the draft. Uh, he remains the rookie wide receiver one coming out of it. Uh, going at 20th overall to Seattle is pretty respectable draft capital, so can't be mad at that. 
And I'd say Seattle's kind of an average landing spot for him. Uh, you know, underneath uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, he won't immediately be given that wide receiver one opportunity, but he'll definitely have the room to develop and grow in that system. So because we had uh, Jameer Gibbs get drafted so early, uh, Gibbs did jump JSN in my uh, rookie big board uh, ranks. And I think that's pretty much in line with consensus and Adeko ADP as well. Uh, but that said, uh, JSN is safely at 106 in line with consensus on my big board and the top of this uh, wide receiver tier of the uh, four first round wide receivers. Yeah, Trey, everything you said. Agree agree with everything there. <laughs> Gibbs <laughs> jumped uh, JSN for me as well. And I think we perceive this to be like a, a big six tier, like there was a, a tier break after the, the sixth, but... You can even argue that it's shrunk a bit to the the tier of five because Gibbs is going even like second or third pick as well. So um, now at the same time, I'm happy to get JSN here at at the sixth pick in a rookie draft as well. Nothing really changes for me. He's still my wide receiver one. My wide receiver two has definitely inched a lot closer. But you know what? You can't hate the landing spot and you're not going to be mad if you draft JSN. Yeah, Jackson Smith and Jigba's landing spot is super interesting. Um, I, I feel like the Seattle Seahawks have a chance to have like a top five to seven offense in the NFL. I think Geno Smith proved that he could drive the bus pretty well last year. Um, and it's such a complimentary receiver core, right? Like, yeah, he might not get this huge target share that we would hope uh, out of a, a player of his prospect caliber. But, you know, he's definitely going to lock down that slot role. And I think you're going to have uh, Tyler Lockett playing mostly on the Z. And then you got your typical X with DK Metcalf. So I think they're going to play a lot of 11 personnel. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to get a lot of opportunities. And um, if there's any kind of discount for JSN, like if he is not being valued in your, you know, the micro economy of your leagues as like a top 15 to 20 wide receiver, uh, I'm looking to make offers because I think like, you know, he's still such a great prospect, such a great receiver. And uh, I, I think there's there's plenty of room for opportunity here with uh, Tyler Lockett getting older and um, yeah, just uh, uh, an offense on the rise. There is an elephant in the room. And by that, I mean uh, a very large man in uh, DK Metcalf like I do think that JSN's cap is definitely not as high with like an elite receiver like that in the same offense, but they, they're they going to be completely different positions. And I think Trey mentioned this uh, last episode, a little concerned about our wagon driver, Geno Smith, but I think he finished, uh, I think he was in the top 10 in points per game last year. So I, I believe that he couldn't repeat there but i don't know because yeah. mitch mentioned this trey i'm wondering and I, it looks like you had something else to say but i am wondering would you rather have dk metcalf or jackson smith and jigba in dynasty yeah i mean that's definitely like a contender versus rebuilder type uh, like you know mm -hmm. classic coin flip i think it's fine to prefer metcalf even though jsn is the rookie and we're in the height of rookie fever at the moment uh, I do think it's important to kind of talk about expectations for year one for JSN because we have seen some wide receivers come in and absolutely, uh, you know, light it up in their first year. And because he is coming in and presumably going to be the wide receiver three uh, for his first season, 
I do think we need to temper the expectations a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as he's coming out and he's efficient, you know, he's got a respectable yards per route run, target per route run type metrics, then I think we can say that that's a win for year one and positive signal. I also think that it could be a situation where it gets, you know, worse for JSN before it gets better. Like his value could take a dip those first two months into the season. And that could be, you know, Mm -hmm. the the buying window if you miss out on him in your rookie drafts. Agreed. 100% aligned there. All right, let's keep it moving here. Going on to the next receiver drafted. That was out of TCU, Quentin Johnston, who went to the Los Angeles Chargers just a pick later at 21st overall. Mitch, early in the process when we did the wide receiver episode, Quentin Johnston was your wide receiver one. Things have shifted a little bit for you, uh, but how are you feeling about your at one time wide receiver one coming in here at 21st overall? I did allude to this. He has been climbing his way right back up, and he's close to being wide receiver one because Quentin Johnston, man, this is a fun landing spot in L.A., like pairing him with Justin Herbert, probably snatching the torch from Keenan Allen and Mike Williams sooner than later. And, you know, I was cooling on him. I definitely was. But uh, I I don't think the brass in L.A. gives a shit what I think. So I'm heating back up. This is one of the best case scenarios because Justin Herbert, the connection there, I expect him to take more steps forward after last year. And uh, L.A. drafting him there just early in the first round at, at this run of wide receivers that like he's got the size unlike the rest of these guys. And this is what I was hoping for. I was hoping he landed at a team with a good quarterback and that just kind of changes the narrative here. Yeah. I, nothing really much else to add. I guess I'm not as necessarily excited about the landing spot as you are. Uh, I don't want to overreact to the situation. I think, uh, you know, he's also somebody who's most likely going to be a wide receiver three uh, his first year, but I do, you know, uh, I, I think I agree with the sentiment that there's more opportunity to take targets from an aging Keenan Allen and Mike Williams than JSN will have in Seattle uh, by comparison. But, um, you know, this didn't move him up ahead of uh, Jordan Addison for me. Uh, I would still have Quentin Johnson as my rookie uh, wide receiver three. Uh, and I think looking at ADP, it seems like the market is more in line with you, Mitch, I think people are generally reacting to this landing spot and it's it's bumping up the value there for Quentin Johnston in L.A. Well, I do think Quentin Johnston's going to go higher and redraft as well. I think that to me and I guess to others that there's a clearer path to that starting gig, at least higher than the, Jordan Addison, Addison, not than than Jordan Addison. But I think that the upside is higher. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think there's just higher potential on that offense i personally agree with mitch that the upside is probably higher with quentin johnston just like given his size speed combo his ability after the catch etc um and you know he was still a first round receiver uh that is attached to justin herbert so i think all of that lends upside to quentin johnston over addison uh, we're going to talk about Addison in a little bit. I just see him as a little bit more of a high floor player with a really, really clear role from year one. Um, so, but all at the same time, like I think Quentin Johnston is a guy that, you know, if I'm at 108 and he falls there, I'm probably going to take him. Uh, even though I do think out of the three receivers in the first round tier outside of Jackson Smith and Jigba, I do think Johnston probably has the lowest floor because he's got the most question marks 
with his game in general. So agreed. um, Yeah, like swinging for upside here. No problem with anybody taking Johnston at the 107 and their rookie draft um, is probably not how I would go. But uh, I can see why why Mitch is excited here. All right, let's move on to the next receiver. And that was Zay Flowers uh, from Boston College, who went the next pick again, uh, 22nd overall to the Baltimore Ravens. So he's attached to Lamar Jackson. He's joining a receiver core of Rashad Bateman, Odell Beckham and Devin Duvernay. So a little bit crowded of a room, but there's not like a clear alpha in that room. Trey, do you think Zay Flowers can be that alpha? Absolutely. Yeah, this is a better landing spot by comparison because uh, Bateman has not been able to stay healthy. He has not been able to uh, establish himself as the unquestioned wide receiver one target hog uh, compared to these other situations we just talked about uh, in Seattle and, and LA. I mean, Baltimore, that that number one pass catcher in the wide receiver group is still up for grabs. Obviously, though, there is uh, Mark Andrews that he's going to have to contend with. I think Mark Andrews is going to be the main competition for targets for Zay Flowers because as a tight end, you know, he's looking at shorter A dot uh, passes. He's also going to be running more of his routes out of the slot, which I think is similar to the role that we're probably going to pencil in Zay Flowers for uh, there in Baltimore. So this pick in the first round, this just uh, locks in Flowers to me at the 109 uh, as my rookie wide receiver four, I have him as sort of the bottom of this uh, group of four first round wide receivers here. Uh, I would definitely like, I'd be very happy to use a first round pick on Zay Flowers given the opportunity. I think after 109 on my big board, it's a lot more uh, question marks. You know, guys like Zach Charbonnet, uh, Devon A-Chain, Dalton Kincaid. I don't think present as clear of a value upside as Flowers does at 109. So it's a little bit of a tear break for me. I know I said that last episode, but just reemphasizing that if I've got the 1.10 and I can't get one of those first round wide receivers to fall for me, I may be looking to trade out of that. Trey, right there with you, but I'm on the rise on the other hand, and he is my brand spanking new Zay Flowers wide receiver for his small boy statue be damned and yeah, welcome, I, welcome to consensus with that well uh, buddy. <laughs> i absolutely love the landing spot too and i did say that uh I, I needed him to land at a place that had a quarterback that would fit him and lamar yeah, is like the absolute perfect situation in my eyes because what zay flowers does best is like he's a bursty boy and i think with lamar jackson buying time in the pocket and running around that zay flowers is going to be running around butt naked wide open so I think this is great, and I, I agree. Like, I'm happy to take him in the first round now. Give him to me. Did did, did we mention Todd Monken? Trey, did you mention Todd Monken? No, no, uh, a new offensive yeah, coordinator. Yeah, sorry. Right. I, yeah, new offensive coordinator Todd Monken, who is coming back from the college ranks into the NFL. Uh, last place we saw him was with the Browns, uh, which was a little bit of a mess with Freddie Kitchens. And then before that, it was the air raid, the air radius of all air raid offenses, uh, Tampa Bay. So, yeah, Monken, uh, I think, will bring a really diverse uh, passing game to the Baltimore Ravens that Greg Roman just wasn't capable of scheming up. Also, the other thing here is, like, I, I think the Baltimore Ravens, like, the team 
really hated Greg Roman. Like <laughs> yeah. uh, Rashad Bateman had some choice words about Greg Roman. I think Lamar Jackson had some issues with Greg Roman. There was also some issues with their strength coaches, which kind of makes sense because of the Baltimore Ravens were a perennially injured team. So I think just from an offensive infrastructure standpoint too, I'm really excited about the Baltimore Ravens offense and what this could mean uh, for Zay Flowers, who, like I said, I, I think is the most uh, versatile receiver in this class. And I think he's he's got a higher ceiling to me uh, than Jordan Addison and pretty close uh, to Quentin Johnston for me personally. So, again, this is a clump of receivers here. Like, they were all drafted four picks in a row. Um, so... I'm really not going to blame anybody for having their preference here between these three. But speaking of these three, let's keep it moving to the fourth player that was drafted here um, at the 23rd spot by the Minnesota Vikings. We've referenced him a few times. That was Jordan Addison out of USC slash Pitt. Um, Mitch, Jordan Addison, I mean, he's going to be lining up next to probably the best wide receiver in the league. Um, obviously I mean, probably. Justin Jefferson is going to be commanding 30% of the targets there plus, but, uh, you got to think that Jordan Addison is going to get a lot of soft coverage. Yeah. And this is the Tarek Benshuya player of the draft right here. Addison is the safest player. And so I know why you like him so much. I think he's going to get himself like he has such a high floor and I think Justin Jefferson is going to have something to do with opening up that floor. But Addison is also my wide receiver three right now, just a smidge ahead of Zay Flowers and a smidge behind Quentin Johnston. Um, I, I, I think this is great for him as well. And if you're looking for early production and if you're already like on a contender and you add him to your roster, I think you're going to get some quality starts out of him too. I think Addison probably, yeah, I think he goes the highest in redraft out of all these guys. Uh, so Minnesota Vikings brought in uh, the passing game coordinator or offensive coordinator from uh, the Rams last year. And I remember in, in preseason, was it O'Connell? Yeah. Yeah. O'Connell. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I remember in preseason, uh, Justin Jefferson talking about like, well, no wonder Cooper Cup was wide open all year, mm -hmm. like in, in mm -hmm. 2021, like because they were bringing those concepts over. So if we're, you know, overlaying that system onto this offense, I mean, that system had very productive three wide receiver sets uh, between, you know, Cooks, Woods, and Cup. And I think with Osborne and Jefferson and Addison, we could see sort of the recreation of that. So I do kind of take a little bit of exception about, you know, his upside being, you know, such like in question. I also do think, you know, based on what we saw with the production kind of falling off at USC, I mean, there's kind of a wide range of outcomes here for Addison. I mean, for him to even like out target, uh, KJ Osborne at this point, I wouldn't say is necessarily a given, but, um, I mean, for me, he's still my wide receiver too. I see plenty of upside in that system. Uh, I think that he will have a uh, room to run with Jefferson commanding more attention. And that gives him an opportunity to develop in year one in ways that, uh, you know, it, it might be a little bit tougher for Quentin Johnston with, you know, having to win out against, uh, the receivers there in LA. Yeah. I would say the, the reason I see a little bit of capped upside in, in comparison to, you know, Quentin Johnston or Jackson Smith and Jigba who, you know, like Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yes, he is. He is reckoning with two very good NFL receivers, but right. Justin Jefferson is another level 
right? So Justin Jefferson is on that same plane as guys like AJ Brown, guys like Jamar Chase. So those are those 30 to 33% alpha target share guys in the offense. So this is kind of an easy comp to make, but Jordan Addison's upside could maybe be more comparable to like a T Higgins or a Devonte Smith who are mm-hmm. very, very good receivers in their own right. But running in an offense with a Justin Jefferson, you're going to top out at like a 25% target share. And that's if the targets are extremely concentrated uh, between those two players. So that's kind of where, I, you know, in order for Devontae Smith to get to like a 25% target share, Dallas Goddard had to miss a couple of games, right? So yeah. even even Devontae Smith's 25% target share is probably closer to like a 23-22. So that's where I would be a little bit worried about the upside of Addison. But I really love Addison as a player. And I think, you know, I, I think he could reach that Devontae Smith level. I, I do think we also need to resist the inclination here to overreact to landing spot and situation because we know yeah, agreed, situations agreed. change. They do. They do. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, and especially if we're kind of, it's been a few years since we saw that 11 personnel, Sean McVay, O'Connell offense with the Woods and the Cups uh, and, and the Cooks, right? That was truly amazing. Uh, so like if we can recreate that in Minnesota, that'd be pretty fun for Jordan Addison. All right, guys. So uh, here, the next player off the board is going to represent a pretty big tier break in ADP in your rookie drafts uh, and probably in our evaluations of these players. But the next guy that went off the board was in the early second round at 39th overall. It was Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Miss who went to the Carolina Panthers. Trey, uh, we talked about Jonathan Mingo in our mock draft episode before the draft. I think he was like a late third round pick. Um, he's all the <laughs> way up in Adeko's ADP to 203 after getting that high second round draft capital. So how are you processing Mingo in the early second round? Well, I'm I'm definitely behind ADP here. I'll start off with that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the third pick in the second round is a little bit pricey for me. Uh, but I will say this. So eighth pick in the second round. So he just missed out on the first round uh, going to Carolina. So we know it's not going to be a great offense necessarily in, in year one for Mingo. Uh, but there will be clear opportunity for wide receiver one reps. Uh, Adam Thielen is looking really, really dusty. Uh, DJ Chark, definitely more of a role player type receiver. So I think the opportunity is there for Mingo. Uh, but pre-draft, he was not a top 30 rookie for me. Uh, I mean, looking at this opportunity, I would be comfortable uh, going for him, I guess, in the late second. Uh, the early second just seems too high. Uh, I mean, so start with the pros. Uh, the draft capital is obvious. He's also got that prototypical size, right? I think he's like six foot three, uh, 215 pounds, something like that. Uh, but the cons, I mean, at Ole Miss, he was a fourth year breakout. He never cleared that 30% dominator. And his best season yards per team pass attempt of 2.22 was the worst of pretty much uh, every other uh, rookie wide receiver that went here on day two and rounds two or round three. So for me, I would be thinking about him kind of in that, uh, I guess it's like a coin flip for me between Tank Bigsby, who I'm also kind of low on uh, at the end of the second round. Yeah, we didn't talk about him a whole lot in the uh, process leading up to the draft and I think this is the biggest surprise for me, and I I do agree with you in that he has a path to wide receiver one on the Panthers and developing with Bryce Young, but I don't know what that really does for him, and the Panthers could very well take a, a receiver next year or 
a lot can change. And I, I don't know if I'd be wanting to hitch my wagon to uh, Jonathan Mingo. So you're not going to see him on a whole lot of my teams because if 2.03 is where he's going, that's not where I'm ready to take him. Yeah, and, and I was actually reading the the stats for Cedric Tillman. Mingo, six foot one, two hundred and twenty six pounds. My mistake. Yeah, no worries. I mean, uh, Jonathan Mingo, top three athlete at the receiver position in this draft. Um, but that's about it. Uh, that's in terms of his production profile. It's the draft capital. It's the athleticism. Uh, otherwise, yeah. I, so I, we're all in lockstep here. Uh, you will not find Jonathan Mingo on my rosters unless he falls to about like 210, which is probably not going to happen. I, I think the um, point is go for those running backs in that range. Like go for Bigsby, go for uh, those other like day three. Yeah, Kendry Miller, yeah. yeah, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm into it. All right, moving on here. Uh, we're about half hour in, so I'm going to start going a little bit faster. Jaden Reed uh, went to the Green Bay Packers at 50th overall yes famous honorable mention Jaden Reed Mitch um we didn't talk a lot about Jaden Reed like I said he was an honorable mention in our wide receiver episode uh but he did get really good draft capital joining Christian Watson uh as Jordan Love's wide receiver core how do you feel about Jaden Reed uh, other than asking who he is, the, the Packers apparently love their, their second round small school wide receivers, uh, just watching that North Dakota state and Western Michigan football. But aside from them doing the Lord's work, um, I, I loved Christian Watson. I do not feel the same way about Jaden Reed. I don't love Jordan love here. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. This is another kind of head scratcher for me a little ahead of where I thought he would go. So no, not excited about, uh, Jordan Reed or I'm sorry, Jaden Reed here, but he is going at, uh, the second pick in the third round, according to Adeko. So you could do worse. But uh, no, yeah, I, 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 I personally think... like I personally like Jaden Reed at cost much more than Jonathan Mingo. Uh, yeah, he was Western Michigan in his freshman year. Then he did transfer to a Big Ten program in Michigan State. Uh, so had a pretty good breakout at Western Michigan in his first year, really broke out in his third year at Michigan State. So just because we didn't talk about Jaden Reed as a prospect, wanted to throw that out there. The reason I like Jaden Reed at the end of the second, early third um, a lot of it rests on uh, Matt Harmon's uh, um, endorsement of Jaden Reed. So according to Harmon, Jaden Reed is one of the best press coverage beaters in this class. Um, so pair that with definitely better production than Mingo and, you know, pretty similar draft capital uh, and the cost between them. I, I think it's kind of a no brainer to, to, to go after Reed uh, as arbitrage Jonathan Mingo. Yeah, and, and I may be overreacting to Matt Harmon and, and JJ Zacharyson there, but I, I'm much, much higher on Jaden Reed uh, than Market is right now. I think I would consider him before Will, Will Levis. I'd consider him before Kendra Miller and Ty J. Spears um, at like the middle to beginning of the second round, just because I think, um, yeah, I mean, the landing spot, there's some question marks, but he could very well take over that wide receiver one role from Christian Watson. I mean, Watson, if, if Watson is the one standing in his way, then, you know, it wasn't going to work out anyway. Uh, I like the player a lot. Landing spots, not too bad either. Huh? All right. All right. So you're not a fan, Mitch. No, uh, no, but... <laughs> no. You guys do. Uh, you. 
All right, let's move on to the next guy here. Drafted at 55th overall uh, from SMU, Rasheed Rice went to the Kansas City Chiefs. So the landing spot to end all landing spots, uh, handpicked by Patrick Mahomes. Uh, We've seen how that's worked out before. But uh, Trey, we'll go to you first with Rasheed Rice. Um, Obviously, we have a soft spot in our hearts for those SMU Mustangs. uh, But how are you feeling about Rice here? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, great for Rice. He definitely moved up my board uh, with this landing spot, with this second round draft capital. I think it's obvious that he gets the opportunity for wide receiver one uh, in one of the best offenses in the NFL. Like, how can you not love that? Uh, Of course, you know, Kelsey is the main competition for targets there. So, um, you know, he does have Travis Kelsey to contend with, but Kelsey is also 33 going on 34 years old. He can't play forever, right? So... Uh, yeah, I recognize, you know, Rice didn't have the best production at SMU, but he did break out at age 19. So we like that. And he did put up a best season yards dominator of 35.7%. Uh, that was only beaten in this class by Zay Flowers. Uh, so yeah, I've got, uh, Rushy Rice and I've got Jonathan Mingo really close in my ranks. Uh, I would give the edge to Rice because I liked him more pre-draft. I like the landing spot more, obviously post-draft. Uh, and I like Rice at sort of the mid to late second round. Trey, right there with you. I got Rice ahead of Jaden Reed and Jonathan Mingo. Love the draft cap, love the landing spot. And I actually do think this. there's a chance that this works out because uh, just the guy you mentioned that he's going to be fighting for targets, I think I think Kelsey's going to be stretching the field. And we know that Rashi Rice uh, gobbles up yards underneath the best. Like that's what he does the best. So I think if... There's this guy, Mahomes, I think he can throw it pretty far. So if there's that space underneath, then Rasheed Rice is going to... He might be a PPR machine as well. So, uh, yeah, I like that early second round, mid-second round price tag. Now I'm interested. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Rasheed Rice is probably coming in to play X receiver, right? So it's like... Because I know that Rice also did have a a really high yards per reception at SMU, especially in that senior year. So, I mean, I think like he can work under. I'm wondering if we're going to see more like Sky Moore and Kadarius Toney taking the underneath stuff. And we're going to see Rasheed Rice uh, stretching the field a little bit more than you might anticipate. So I I guess it kind of remains to be seen. I could see it kind of working out either way. Obviously, Travis Kelsey gobbling up targets up the seam. Uh, and on option routes. But yeah, I mean, for me, like I, you know, I think Rishi Rice is, you know, like all these guys, a problematic wide receiver prospect, but um, I'm going to be taking him like as part of my portfolio at ADP as much as possible, because at the end of the day, I don't know anything. And if this guy has a chance to be the wide receiver one for Patrick Mahomes, I want him on my fake football teams. All right. Keeping us moving here. Marvin Mims was the next receiver. Uh, Denver took him at the end of the second round, 63rd overall. So good to see one of uh, uh, our TLG favorites, Marvin Mims, uh, get that day two draft capital. Mitch, uh, what do you think about Marvin Mims uh, taking over potentially KJ Hamler's role, potentially Cortland Sutton's role? Like, What do you think is, is happening in Denver with Mims? Yeah, I like this situation for him. I think it's a pretty sweet situation. Uh, he does have those guys in front of you or in front of him. Uh, Sutton, Judy, Patrick, Hamler. Uh, he's also got guys like Sweet Milk, 
Greg Dulcich to fight for touches here, but even though it might be crowded early on, I I do like um I do like the second round draft cap, and you know even if it's the the absolute end of the second round, we'll, we'll count it. And uh, yeah, I, I I think that he's got a shot to develop into that offense. You know, we, we can't forget about the new coach hire there. So I think I think there's a shot here. I think there's a shot that he's uh, one of those later season developed wide receivers. So if I don't get my hands on him in the draft mid-second, then I'm also happy to maybe buy the dip a little bit if he gets a slow start with all these guys in front of him. Yeah, so I I love this for Marvin Mims. I I love that he uh, was drafted round two. That draft capital is a really strong signal for me. Uh, You mentioned the guys in front of him. Jerry Judy is sort of a 20, 21% target share guy. So I think there's actually wide receiver one opportunity within Marvin Mims uh, range of outcomes here. And we shouldn't discount that. Uh, I actually moved Marvin Mims up to my 12th player on my rookie big board. Uh, So I'm, I'm very high on. Wow. Yeah. He's currently uh, in a Deco ADP two eleven, So that is a smash spot. uh, In my opinion, I've got him more around uh the 204 so uh he's kind of at the end of uh, a tier in the middle of the second round that i'm i'm pretty comfortable with um and i think you know you can get him at more like 207 208 uh so yeah i'm really excited about marvin mims in this spot as well i think early on uh they're going to play Sutton at the X. They're going to play Judy in the slot. And I think Mims is going to take over as a flanker uh, sooner than we might be expecting. I'm not afraid of Tim Patrick. I'm not afraid of KJ Hamler. Uh, let's go get Mims in the second round of our rookie drafts. All right. Uh, moving into the third round, Tank Dell went to the Houston Texans coming out of the University of Houston. Go Cougs at 69th overall. Let me nice. hear it. Nice. nice. All right, Trey, Tank Dell, uh, what do we think about this landing spot in H-Town? So Dell is going to live in the slot in the NFL. He is five foot eight, 165 pounds. So obviously that is going to limit his upside. Uh, Going to the Houston offense is also going to limit his upside. I don't think any of us are projecting a lot of touchdowns uh, coming out of that offense in the immediate future. Uh, there is, you know, obviously no clear wide receiver one in Houston. So there are going to be opportunities for him uh, now that uh, Brandon Cooks has left for Dallas. Uh, I am not a big fan of Tank Dell. I would not be considering him until the middle of the third round at the very earliest. Uh, I have him in a similar tier to some of the day three running backs like Roshan Johnson, Chase Brown. Uh, and I think I'd prefer those RBs just because there's more upside there and they're probably more likely to hit. Um not a huge fan of Dell personally. Yeah, it looks like look, looks like Tank Dell's going 311 at Deco. Still a little early for me, but you know how I feel about the small boys here. I do like the story. I do like him going to the Texans and like from a actual football perspective and not a fantasy football perspective. I I like to root for the guy, but I won't be rooting for him to score any points on my team. Hey, this guy, this guy was uh, handpicked by CJ Stroud, apparently. He, Even better. he went in and told uh, the, the decision makers in Houston to go get uh, Nathaniel Dell. So I don't know. I mean, if CJ Stroud is any good, then uh, this, this could be interesting. Uh, the, all that being said, at his late third round draft price right now, I'm probably out as well, probably taking Eric Gray, Evan Hull, uh, you know, Zach Evans, Izzy Abanaconda, a lot of guys over tank Dell. So I I'm there with y'all. 
All right, uh, Mitch, Jalen Hyatt. So this was once. I noticed you didn't mention him. Once upon a time. Uh, yeah. Now I take Jalen Hyatt over Tank Dell. Let's get that out of the way. But once upon a time, Jalen Hyatt was very high on your receiver board and a lot of people's receiver board because he was projected to be a late first, early second round pick. He did fall to the third round, uh, landed in Brian Dayball's offense, uh, with all the, with all the other slot boys there at 73rd overall. Um, what are you thinking about Jalen Hyatt now that we have his landing spot, uh, in tow? Yeah, definitely big sad for my guy, Jalen Hyatt, but I haven't lost all hope, and I do like the landing spot. I do like Dayball. I think he's got a great shot at being the number one target guy on the team with the likes of Paris Campbell and Sterling Shepard and Jamison Crowder. Maybe he can even oh, hide. Oh, Wandale Robinson erasure, dude. I was going to say maybe he can hide behind Wandale Robinson at the line of scrimmage, but he's parting... <laughs> parting or putting carts and horses who knows man but seriously i'm not afraid of any of these dudes i think hyatt could be a steal at the uh, end of the second round of your rookie draft here so i'm a stand man i'm sticking with my guy Uh, i mean i've traded into drafts to get him there too i'm right there with you i have him at the uh, top of the third which obviously is way lower than uh, i was on hyatt uh, going into you know this process before the nfl draft uh you know him slipping to the third round definitely means we need to adjust the ranks as they say uh but yeah beginning of the third i'm comfortable with with hyatt there yeah uh, you're probably not going to get him at the beginning of the third to be fair but if he falls there i think it's a great spot because like the other thing, I mean, Dayball is great. Like, I, you know, I trust Dayball to y- utilize his offensive weaponry as well as possible. Daniel Jones, I mean, I think part of the reason the Giants offense was much more successful last year is because Dayball specifically made it very middle of the field and compressed. Um, but we have seen at points in Daniel Jones's career that he can get the ball downfield reasonably accurate. He's just a, he can be a little bit volatile with those downfield shots. So it'll be interesting because there's so many slot players in that Giants offense. Like we think Jalen Hyatt can play flanker, right? But uh, at Tennessee, he was mostly playing in the slot. Uh, kind of in that stack position. So I'm really interested to see how Dayball utilizes him because if he is like owning that flanker spot, um, then I I think, yeah, there's actually a lot of upside here that you can capture at the end of the second. All right, um, moving to the next guy, the Cleveland Browns took Cedric Tillman. uh, So Jalen Hyatt's running mate at Tennessee at 74th overall. So we had two Tennessee volunteers go back to back. Trey, you were a Cedric Tillman uh, endorser kind of toward the end of the rookie process. So what are you thinking here now that he's paired with Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, and Deshaun Watson? Well, I wanted to recognize, or I guess not fall behind the uh, the rumors there that he was kind of projected to go in round two. And then, you know, like his teammate Hyatt, he fell a little bit in the draft to round three. Uh, so I do think I, I am going to adjust accordingly like I did with Hyatt. Uh, with the landing spot in Cleveland, Amari Cooper, I think, is the clear wide receiver one. Uh, Tillman, I think, is going to compete with Donovan Peoples-Jones for work on the outside, that big body downfield type role. Uh, at Tennessee, Cedric Tillman was a fourth-year breakout, so we don't really love that, but he did break out in a big way. 
uh, with more than a thousand yards receiving and 12 touchdowns back in 2021. And he does have that nice prototypical size, 6'3, 215. I would definitely consider him in the early third uh, before some of these other running backs that I think you're higher on. Uh, but I think I, given the choice between him and Hyatt, I would still go Hyatt as well. Yeah, come on down to this aisle. No, Trey, Cedric Tillman, early third. Love that, man. He's going um, 305 on a Deco, so I, you can probably snatch him up pretty early there. And I like him better than Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, DPJ was a sixth-round pick, so they're not married to that guy. He's okay. He's fine. But if uh, if Tillman can't beat him out, then, well, who cares? Then he's bad. I, I do think DPJ is actually a little bit better than you're giving him credit for, even if he was a six-round pick. I, I think that is serious uh, competition for Tillman. And But you're right. If you can't beat out uh, you know, a day three guy, then it, it was, wasn't going to work out. It wasn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, there's competition there. I mean, I, I think Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore are both Elijah really Moore as good well. yeah. wide receivers. But but I, I don't think anybody on the Cleveland Browns roster is uh, like, you know, going to command an alpha target share. Right. So there's there's potential here for it to be a really kind of open receiver room with a lot of like 18 to 22 percent guys. Uh, and there's also some potential. Hey, if Cedric Tillman is good, um, that uh, he 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 ends up being the number one there. I'm not going to project that, but I think just because the Cleveland Browns offense is is full of good, not great players, like I, I think there's some ambiguity there. Complete Amari Cooper erasure there. Yeah, man. man. I, you don't you don't think Amari Cooper is going to be a 25 percent target share guy? I mean, he was he was he kind of reached that clip for the first time in several years last year. Um, but I I mean, I, I they traded for Elijah Moore and drafted Cedric Tillman. So I'm not sure uh, how much uh, they're confident in Amari Cooper can kind of continuing to handle that much work again. You know, I think Amari Cooper end of last year was a great buy. I have him on a few rosters. I, I think, you know, it's fine. All I'm saying is I don't <laughs> think there's like a clear alpha in that offense. And I think it's like there's some opportunity and some ambiguity there with a quarterback um, who looked like shit last year. But if he returns to 2020 form, uh, could, you know, could be really good. All right. Moving on. Let's go to Josh Downs, who went to the Indianapolis Colts 79th overall um, so could potentially be Anthony Richardson's slot pr- player very early. Mitch, Josh Downs, uh, 5'9", small boy. Uh, you said you are rising on Zay Flowers. Uh, are you rising at all on Josh Downs? I'm not, and he's not the best, not my favorite landing spot with uh, pairing him with AR-15, Anthony Richardson. You know, now he's got to deal with Alec Pierce, too, and Michael Pittman, and the legs of Anthony Richardson and the legs of Jonathan Taylor. I don't really see a path to like fantasy points anytime soon or anytime later, being that he's a small boy. I am both feet out the door and I'm running. Yeah, I'm also behind market on downs as well. Dropping to the third round, I don't think is a strong signal. I'm also not in love with landing spot either. Uh, it looks like on Adeko's ADP is going mid second. I would think about him at the end of the second round. So I'm about a half round behind ADP there. Yeah, he's going uh, three or four spots ahead of Marvin Mims nah, uh, in Adeko's nah. ADP. 
Yeah. No. Nah. No. Not. Nah. <laughs> I'm. I. I can't get behind that. So I think we're all in lockstep here. I. I do like Josh Downs's game, but I do not think he is set up for success here in Indianapolis. So uh, behind ADP, probably will not have many shares. Final guy I want to mention here uh, for the receivers was Michael Wilson, Ooh. who went at the end of the third round uh, to Arizona. Uh, he was Stanford, right? Am I? Am I Stanford? Wrong there? Correct. Yeah, he went to Stanford, so he's going cardinal to cardinal here, 94th overall to Arizona. Uh, Trey, I didn't know anything about Michael Wilson going into the draft, uh, but after looking at Matt Harmon's reception perception profile of him, I am intrigued. He was also not on my radar before the draft. Uh, Michael Wilson did break out uh, his freshman year at Stanford, though, uh, which unfortunately was all the way back in 2019. And since then, he's suffered from a series of injury issues only played in 14 games total over his last three college seasons. So he has had trouble staying healthy and staying on the field. I think what Arizona saw in him is his nice size. Michael Wilson is six foot one, 215 pounds, uh, but I'm not really interested in guys that, you know, just don't have any sort of production record to, to fall back on. Uh, I would think about him at the very, very end of the third round of rookie drafts. Uh, that's like Izzy Abanacanda territory. That's good enough, though. He's going at the third pick in the fourth round, according to Adeko. So you got your guy. And I, I like it, too. I, if I can get it at a fourth round pick uh, at, at that cost, then Michael Wilson's a, a good enough buy for me. That wide receiver room's pretty weak outside of, oh, uh, Marquise Brown. And did they end up trading? Uh, no, Hopkins well, is still there. there for now. Yeah. So, but say they trade him. You know, there, there's honestly a lot of room for. Uh, somebody to step up in that offense. I don't know if it's Michael Wilson, and I don't think it's uh, Robbie Anderson. Is he still there? Chosen Anderson? Yeah, I have no I, idea. I'm dude. not sure where Chosen Anderson is either. I, I don't love the landing spot in Arizona. Um, I mean, Kyler, we don't know when he's coming back healthy. Uh, if he does come back, you know, at in the first two months of 2023, I think will be a surprise at this point. But yeah, I, I mean... At the end of the third round, you're not giving up a lot of opportunity cost to get a day two wide receiver here. I don't think there's a ton of upside, but yeah, I don't think it's a bad bet into the third, beginning of the fourth. Chosen Anderson plays for the Miami Dolphins now, by the way. <laughs> All right. Um, that is going to do it for the wide receivers. Do we have any honorable mentions we want to quickly throw out there? Yeah, I, I do have one. Uh, his name is Charlie Jones out of Purdue. He went in the fourth round to the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, he is also another late breakout uh, because he had to transfer from Buffalo to Iowa to then get to Purdue uh, for his fourth year. Uh, but he broke out in a big way in 2022, 110 catches, 1,361 receiving yards and 12 touchdowns for a 27.4% target share. I think that's definitely worth a fourth round dart throw on Charlie Jones. All right. Sounds good. Uh, could not say I know anything about Charlie Jones. Um, that sounds like a, a Madden create a player name. But <laughs> uh, shout out to Charlie Jones out of Purdue. I will be looking into you after the episode. All right. So let's kick off this second half. Mic drop. Nas, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. Um, you know, I, we're we're already an hour into the podcast. And uh, we still got to get through all these tight ends. So we're going to be zoom in through them a little bit um but 
you know, it is a deep tight end class. So, you know, there's a lot of opportunity here in terms of uh, capturing some value from the second all the way to the fourth round of your rookie drafts. Let's start with the lone first round tight end. Mitch, that was Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. The Buffalo Bills hopped the Dallas Cowboys up to 25th overall to draft this player and eat Dalton Knox's, uh, is that his name? Dawson Knox's lunch. Uh, excuse me, Dawson, but you're now Dalton. Um, what do you think about Dalton Kincaid here? I absolutely love it. He's easily the tight end one now. The Bills, it's such a win, such a win of landing spots. Like, not not just a landing spot. The Bills, like you mentioned, traded up for his ass, so... Kincaid is a pass catcher, freak athlete. They can move Dawson Knox back into the the blocking role that he's better right, at anyway. Right. And Kincaid could be the number two pass catcher in this offense. And pairing that with Josh Allen, guys, I think I need a hose to cool me off because I, I'm getting really hot for him. I'm about to draft Dalton Kincaid at like 10th overall ahead of dudes like Charbonnet and A-Chain and... Uh, I would think about it over, uh, I, I think I, it's happening right after the big four wide receivers. Yeah. Looking at ADP, he is slotting in at, uh, either the 10th or the 11th pick. Uh, so going in the first round, I, I can't really get behind it. I mean, I do love the player. I love the landing spot. I think people are getting a little bit too overheated on Kincaid. Um, so I, I'm, I'm personally, I like the running backs like a chain and, and sharps and, and even Mims over Kincaid at this point. Yeah. So earlier today, I was on the clock in a rookie draft at 110. Uh, and I was looking at Dalton Kincaid, Zach Charbonnet, and Devon A chain. I have them all pretty much in the same tier. So I traded back, added a third round pick, uh, two spots to the 112, uh, which is where I would have drafted A chain if I didn't trade out again. But I'm just saying, if you're at that 10 spot, I really like trading back two or three spots getting some extra picks there. And if you have to forego Kincaid, which I think is a fine pick at the 110, um, I would rather uh, get, get the assets go for uh, the running back position. Yeah, I want to throw out there that I said I wasn't going to get this guy in our rookie preview. And I think this just changes so much for me because, like I said, the the Bills, like it possibly having him as their second highest pat. Their, uh, their number two pass catcher. It's just, it's too enticing for me. I think that that could propel him to be one of those like top three tight ends sooner than later. And that's such an edge. So I, I that's why I'm all in here. Yeah, I think, I think the hope here is that he immediately slots in as their slot receiver. So he maybe doesn't need as much development time as a lot of the inline tight ends do that are handling more blocking duties. Like if, Dawson Knox is their inline guy. Dalton right. Kincaid is their slot guy. Um, then I think that's the upside case is that we could get like a breakout sooner than we are used to at the tight end position. But we thought that with uh, Kyle Pitts, who had, you know, a thousand yards as a rookie. I can't believe I'm talking shit about Kyle Pitts, but I'm just saying like tight end is really hard in the NFL. Yeah. So um, we'll we'll see. Let's move on to the next guy that was drafted uh, just, you know, about nine picks later at 34th overall. Uh, the Detroit Lions took out of Iowa, Sam Laporta. Trey, Sam Laporta, you mentioned uh, a, a couple episodes ago, of all the tight ends, best combination of athleticism and production. How are you feeling about uh, the Detroit landing spot? 
yeah, it's it's great draft capital, early second round. It's a pretty solid landing spot. Uh, Detroit does not have a clear tight end one after sending uh, TJ Hawkinson to the Vikings last year. So a great opportunity for Laporta. Of course, the downside here is the target competition from Amon Ross St. Brown and uh, Jameer Gibbs, uh, who's going to get some of the those low dot targets as well. And of course, you know, the one limitation I keep calling out with Laporta is he's kind of short at six foot three. Maybe that limits his upside long term. Uh, but uh, I did move him up my uh, rookie ranks uh, because of this pick. Uh, he moved up from the mid third to the mid second on my big board. I kind of like him and the other second round tight ends like Mayer and Musgrave all about the same. Uh, so I think you can get any one of those three in the second round and you can't go wrong. Yeah, man. Laporta's my number two now. I I love, love, love the landing spot. I'm not afraid of all the talent around him. And there's a lot of talent around him. The the Lions have a wagon now, man. Uh St. Brown, Jamison Williams, Gibbs, you name it, man. Like that they're just they're fun, man. So um I think this is there's not gonna be a whole lot of pressure on him to be like the pass catcher in that offense. So I think it'll be nice and easy for him to to settle in there and uh yeah he he could be a steal here he's going at uh, the first pick in the third round according to adeko so why not oh i love that value if you can get him in the yeah. third round uh and and luckily he will not have jameson williams for target competition for at least the first half of this uh, year because of that dumbass yeah. suspension I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of jamo but i i hear you i hear you all right uh yeah early third sam laporta's smash smash Let's move on. Next guy picked the very next pick was Michael Mayer uh, went to the Raiders at 35th overall out of Trey Cryan's Notre Dame University. Mitch, uh, so another second round tight end here in Michael Mayer uh, was kind of projected to be the first tight end off the board for months leading up to the draft, ended up being the third tight end off the board, replacing Darren Waller in Vegas. What do you think? I really like the spot. I think this is a, another wonderful situation, and I think uh, Mayor's strength is getting fed short passes and getting some tough yak, and Josh McDaniels and Jimmy G are the pair for him, I think. So I like it a lot for Mayer, not only in the short term, but the long term, too. Uh, I think this will help his development. I think he'll get the rock early on, so might see a little more points than we expect out of him, too. But what I don't like is that he's the uh, 202, according to Adeko, which means I'm not going to get my hands on him. Yeah, I agreed. As much as I love the player and you know the story coming out of uh, Notre Dame, uh, 202 is also a little bit too early for me for Mayer, so I'm also behind market on him as well. All right. Uh, I'm going to keep us moving here because my thoughts are about Michael Mayer are pretty similar. This is a big, fat agree fest today. But moving on, the next guy, Luke Musgrave. Uh, went to the Packers at 42nd overall. This was Mitch's tight end one going into the NFL draft. So really interesting. He did get really good draft capital, uh, kind of a wide open tight end room in Green Bay, albeit with uh, a little bit lacking at the quarterback position. But uh, Trey, what do you think about Luke Musgrave as a Packer? I, I think you're going to really like this guy uh, as you get mm -hmm. to watch him on the field. Uh, some of the comparisons I've heard from Musgrave through the pre-draft process were to Dallas Goddard. Uh, he is a great athlete with a 9.77 RAS and ending up in Green Bay. Obviously, there's some huge question marks there with the Jordan Love-led offense. You know, who knows what that's going to end up looking like. 
And strangely enough, the Green Bay Packers ended up taking a second rookie tight end in the third round. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's a little bit of a weird situation for Luke Musgrave, but he should immediately compete for the tight end one reps. And I, I think, you know, looking at ADP, I think he's what, like a third rounder right now. So that's looking like really good value for Musgrave as well. I think it's kind of a coin flip between him and uh, Laporta for me. Yeah, Trey, I, I love that. I am still a big fan of Musgrave. He was my tight end one, like Tarek mentioned. He's down to tight end three. I have him a high, uh, I have him ahead of Mayer now. Um, I, I think that by the time next year, I think the market will be uh, adjusted on that because it might take Musgrave a little bit longer, but I think he's got much higher upside. And I do like the Green Bay situation, despite the fact that I don't trust Jordan Love to hit the side of a barn. But Musgrave's like six foot fifty and can run like the wind. So, yeah, I, I I'm excited about him. I'm still excited about him. And he's what three oh four pick yeah. three oh four. Give me that ADP is really weird. The fact that there's such a big difference between uh, Mayer, Laporta, and Musgrave doesn't make sense to me. I've got them no all sense. as as mid second rounders personally. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, since we're talking about the Packers and they did do that, you know, they did double tap tight end here. I, I do actually want to skip from Luke Musgrave immediately to Tucker Craft yeah, that's fine. Uh, because he went uh, he went 78th overall in the third round to the Green Bay Packers. You mentioned um, Musgrave being like a 9.9 plus RAS athlete. Tucker Craft is a 9.5 ish like nine. I, I believe he was nine point four four or something no uh 9.68 excuse me official ras so they went after extremely athletic tight ends here what do you guys think about uh tucker craft versus luke musgrave obviously we're gonna have luke musgrave ahead because he's a full round ahead but do they deserve to be more than a round uh rookie pick ahead right now it's early third luke musgrave late fourth tucker craft i mean i'm not gonna back down on my like pre-draft tight end one uh like thoughts about luke musgrave so i i do like that tucker craft is in a good situation as well i think like when i imagine the packers offense moving forward you know i i think they're going to give a lot of work to aaron jones and aj Dillon and deploy a lot of two tight end sets and uh just kind of take some of the pressure off of jordan love there so I think it's feasible that both of these tight ends get some work early on, and we get to see how they both look. But yeah, we're talking about a fourth-round pick in Tucker Craft, according to Adeko's ADP, so that's just screaming value to me. You might as well just uh, scoop him take up both. there. Yeah, take them both. I mean, I, I, I don't know. But yeah, M- Musgrave like is a sure round ahead of him for me. Yeah, agreed. I'm I'm also ahead of market on Tucker Craft. I've got him as an early fourth round pick as opposed to a late fourth. Uh, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. Like, why is there such a big difference between them? I think that's just because there's other rookies that I like in the third round, like all these running backs that went on day three. Uh, but yeah, I mean, with that athleticism and that opportunity in Green Bay, uh, it's a pretty solid landing spot in draft capital for Craft. He's coming out of the super small school uh, sit South they Dakota State. Small schools, man. Yeah, let let's let's keep it moving here. Uh, thanks for going uh, to Tucker Craft there, who was skipping a couple spots. But the next player that went after Luke Musgrave was another Luke out of uh, the University of Michigan, Luke Schoonmaker. Dallas took fifty eighth overall. 
Guys, this was after uh, they took another Wolverine in the first round, and both were, uh, according to like mock draft database, et cetera, et cetera, both were a little bit of a reach by Dallas. It kind of seems like Jerry and Stephen Jones went to like a Michigan game and saw these two guys <laughs> make plays, and they were like, we want those guys. But I think essentially what happened is they got absolutely destroyed by the bills trading ahead of them (laughs) taking dalton kincaid then they tilted their face off and uh reached on on luke schoonmaker here at 58th overall but uh enough of my um uh, of my cowboys buffoonery mitch uh did you look into luke schoonmaker after this more like luke hoonmaker hoon who yeah so i did look into him because i was like who uh yeah they they drafted this 25 year old dude from michigan uh we didn't talk about this dude so i guess we should like mention that he's 6'5 251 decently athletic with a 463 but you shouldn't draft him and neither should have the cowboys so i mean sure they left schultz walk but i'm i'm not i'm not here for this but y'all are the cowboys fans so maybe you can talk about okay number 58 okay De- decently decently athletic is certainly an understatement yeah i mean Man. he is he is an athlete for sure like he's above 85th percentile according to player profiler on all his athletic me- measurables so he's definitely an athlete but like you said he's gonna be 25 when the nfl season starts Trey, right now, it looks like he is an early fourth. So, you know, kind of in that range that you were talking about, Tucker Craft is where Shoemaker is shaking out in ADP. What do you think? Uh, 9.86 RAS. So that's like uh, one of the best scores you can possibly get. Uh, so I, maybe, I don't know, maybe he there's some additional data that came out. I'm missing something. But he he also had a pretty good uh, pre-draft grade from Lance Zerline, like a 6.34. That's a plus starter grade. So there was people that were high on him. Uh, the reason I didn't want to bring him up pre-draft is because he was projected to go fourth round. I, I don't see any issue with this guy as a late third. Uh, the Cowboys are high on him. There's opportunity there. You know, why not? That's that's low opportunity cost. I just I feel like that the other tight ends that the Cowboys have uh, just it's yeah. all kind of the same to me. So I'd rather take uh, a stab at uh, some of the backup, uh, some of the other guys. I even forget their names, but. Um, yeah, that's exactly why you should maybe take a stab on Shoemaker is because you are forgetting the names of Peyton Hendershot and I'm even forgetting the other uh, dude. Jake What's Ferguson. His name? Thank yeah, you, that, Jake that, Ferguson. That out of out of Wisconsin. It's about yes. Ferguson. Go get yeah. Ferguson. Yeah. I remember last year in our in our reaction episode, I was saying, Hey guys, Ferguson. I'm saying third round pick, and hey, he had a pretty good rookie year. But there you go. Again, they clearly were not that happy with him. So if if you're gonna offer me Shoemaker or Ferguson cool. straight up, I will definitely take Shoemaker. He was a second. He was a second round pick. I mean, that's it's pretty yeah. significant draft cap. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, moving on here to Brenton Strange, Jacksonville Jaguars took him 61st overall. Trey, I didn't even write down Brenton Strange's college, so can you please help me out? Brenton Strange uh, played ball at Penn State. Uh, he was projected. Oh, that's a pretty big program. He was projected to go in the fifth round, uh, so it seems like this is another guy that the NFL kind of reached on with him going at the back end of the second. Uh, I assume in Jacksonville that Strange will be uh, starting his career as the primary backup behind Evan Ingram, um, but he's got good size, uh, 6'4", 253 pounds, uh, 9.06 RAS. So again, another plus decent. plus athlete. 
he was not a great producer at Penn State, only a 14.5% dominator. So uh, he kind of fits that mold of athlete without the great uh, receiving production. Again, I think it's worth a dart throw into the third, beginning of the fourth. Why not? Not I. I, I watched a decent amount of tape. Uh, he just kind of seemed all right. But uh, I do think he's going to be the uh, the blocking tight end to Evan Ingram. Ingram had a career year last year. I don't really see him losing much work to uh, Brenton Strange. I'm, I'm really interested, Mitch, in who you are taking at the end of the fourth round to where you're like, nah, no Brenton Strange, can't get on board. Guys, have you met me? Do you know that I do not like to take tight ends but here, man? Give me give me an example of somebody that you would rather have at 4-11. Stetson Bennett. Okay, Stetson Bennett. All right, that's that's Fine, one. I guess. That, you, you told me to give you one. You have Yeah, them. you gave me are, one. You are gave you me satisfied? One. Yeah. I, I, I think I'd rather take Strange. Yeah, I, I would rather have Strange Bad. as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, Mitch is Mitch is committed to that that bit, and it served him well. I mean, no rookie tight ends. All right, final guy we're going to talk about officially here before the honorable mentions is Darnell Washington out of Georgia, another elite athlete with a lacking receiving profile, went to the Steelers at 93rd overall. Uh, Trey, he has already introduced himself to the Steelers media as their sixth O lineman. Um, so he is leaning <laughs> into uh, his blocking profile. But uh, what are you thinking about Darnell Washington? He is currently uh, end of the third 309 in Adeko's ADP. Okay. Well, I, I did not know that about him uh, <laughs> claiming to be the sixth O lineman. So that's really yep. gross to hear. I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> Uh, I'm behind uh, Adeko's ADP there. I've got him as an early fourth rounder. Uh, it is not a great landing spot um, given the hype, you know. Uh, I assume he's going to be backing up the Muth, uh, Pat Fryer Muth there. So, oh, yeah, dude. He, he's not going to be like, uh, you know, tight in one uh, opportunities right off the bat. I mean, he's still a great athlete. Uh, he's certainly not the tight end one uh, that John Alexander thought he was uh, picking him <laughs> in the early second during our mark draft. But yeah, I mean, in the fourth round, uh, I'd consider throwing the dart. But I, I'd rather have the guys we just talked about, like Strange and Shoemaker, over Washington, given the You'd draft throw capital. Throw a dart and, at Darnell and, Washington, man. Oh my god! I wish John was round? here in the fourth round. Yeah, I wish I John was here for this one. Uh, no, dude, Darno. If, if you watch anything on him, the man blocks. That's what he does. He's a blocker, and he's really good at it. And he's not gonna catch shit. And you're never gonna start him. Don't draft this guy. <laughs> All right, man. You know, I, I think it's I, like honestly, the fourth round, like, is the most who gives a shit possible. <laughs> like, if you want to take Dar, like, I'm sure, I am sure, John Alexander is gonna have bevies and bevies of Darnell Washington in the fourth round, but. If it's 309, that is way too high, yeah, man. Like, no, thank you. Pat Pat Fryermuth is a very good receiving back. Uh, he is going to be working there as the primary receiving tight end. Darnell Washington is already claiming to be an O-lineman there. So um, if you want to take a, a, a shot on the athletic guy in the fourth round, unlike Mitch, me and Trey do not have a problem with that. But end of the third, there's there's a lot better options there, a lot better bets uh, for production to return value on your dynasty team. All right, 
honorable mentions tied in before we close out the show. Mitch, you got one? I do have one. I got one guy, and I don't think we can talk about tight ends without talking about some cunts, and that is Zachary Patrick Kuntz. And if anybody's still listening, you know, good for them. I'm, bl- I'm glad you made it all the way to that joke. But uh, this tight end played at Old Dominion, and guys, I don't know if you've seen how absolutely massive this guy is, but he's 6'8", 255, and runs a four five five, and you know what? Rogers likes tight ends, so I like cunts. Zach cunts, wheels up. So one, does Rogers like tight ends? And two, how is this? Why would you take the round seven guy in the fourth round, but not the round whoa, three whoa, guy? Whoa. Who said seventh round? I'm talking about some fab, man. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, z- Zach Kuntz, first of all, I, I mean, I already mark this podcast as explicit, but I think <laughs> I, I think where where Mitch took it, I'm going to have to find like a different demarcation of like, please do not put this on if your kids are in the car. Maybe you should just beep it out, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, I ain't doing all that. I ain't doing all that. But all right. Uh, we went through all oh, of no. the guys that matter, I believe, uh, in terms of pass catchers. We, we probably forgot a guy here or there. You know, there's the Trey Tuckers, the Parker Washingtons, the A.T. Perrys, the Tyler Scotts. There's plenty of guys that we could talk about, but uh, we'll just reserve those for, uh, you know, if you're a truther in your league and you want to throw those darts out there, go for it. I will personally be drafting the Dwayne McBrides, the Evan Holes, the Sean Tuckers, the Kenny McIntosh in that in that range. So, you know. I just wanted to end with that because I think in general, we're all, we all pretty have pretty similar strategies here when it comes to pass catchers. Once you get into that fourth round, okay, if you want to lean on some athletic tight ends, that's fine. But for the most part, take the shots at the running backs. Do, do y'all agree? 100% agree. I really like Hull, really like Sean Tucker there too, you know, at the end of the fourth. Yeah. All right. Well, we did it, guys. We went through uh, these landing spots for all of the four major positions. Uh, Trey, do do uh, you you keep our schedule for the most part? Do you know what we're doing next, or or is that still TBD? It's still TBD, but uh, it might be time for a little hiatus here. Let's uh, let's get back to the drawing board and figure out how we want to bridge the gap between rookies and divisional previews. All right, I love it. So yeah, we will be off next week, but we will see y'all in two weeks. Boys and girls, see y'all later. Goodbye. Goodbye. And I don't think we can talk about tight ends without talking about some cunts.